When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. I'm Maddie. I'm one of the producers on Blind Landing. I'm here with Ari. Hey, guys. <laughs> so, listeners, Ari texted us all about an hour ago in a giant group chat and said, someone hop on a mic with me. I need to tell them a story. And I'm coming in fully blind. I have no idea what he's about to say. Um, what are you going to tell me? Maddie, I am so glad that you volunteered and that you were the only person willing to do this on such short notice. <laughs> so the reason I asked you to record this with me right now, not in a studio, not with a good microphone, not with a script, is because yesterday I watched the women's all-around final at the Gymnastics World Championships. And I was so blown away by one person. And it's official. You're looking at the gold medalist at the World Championships in the women's all-around, Rebecca Andrade from Brazil. I want to talk to you about Rebecca Andrade, who is the new world champion. Because her story, Maddie, I cannot stop thinking about it. Like, all day long, I was just thinking, holy shit, her journey to this moment is so unreal. This win was a decade in the making and a culmination of a comeback that is unlike any other. Yeah, what what makes her story so remarkable in your in your mind? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it's uh, best illustrated by something that Hebeka said in an interview with Globe Sport. Imagina se em 2015 eu tivesse parado, olha o tanto de coisa que eu teria perdido. She says, imagine if I had called it quits earlier. O tanto de evolução como ser humano, não só como atleta, eu teria perdido. If I had stopped, imagine all the things that wouldn't have happened, she says. And that is what I want to talk about today. Rebecca's journey and all the moments when she almost called it quits and the amazing things she achieved because she didn't give up. So the improbable story of Rebecca Andrade begins with an improbable start in the sport. Um, a, a few things to know here. Rebecca grew up in Brazil as one of eight children raised by a single mother. So in this working class neighborhood in Sao Paulo, her family did not have a lot of money or many resources. And Rebecca is Afro-Brazilian in a country that can be really limiting in terms of access and opportunities for Black Brazilians. And to go to the closest gym, Hebeka had to walk two hours each way as a kid. 
So that is where she's starting. Rebecca and her family find a way to pay for training, find a way to get her to the gym, and she sticks with it, and she really starts to make her way up in the sport. And the year that she really gets on people's radar is 2012. Rebecca's 13 years old, and she makes her international debut at the Junior Pan American Games. And it's there that she wins her first gold medal in an all-around competition. I have, can I jump in just with a few clarifying yes. questions? Okay. Yes, yes. Remind me again what the components of the all-around are. Yeah, so the all-around, it's four events, vault, uneven bars, balance beam, and floor. And the all-around is a competition where you do all four events in one day and you add up the score. And winning the all-around title at either a world championships or at an Olympic games means that you are the best gymnast in the world. That is the ultimate prize, the ultimate goal. So at this first competition as a junior, Hebeka doesn't just win it. She wins it by two points, which is like being laps ahead of your competitors. And she is two years younger than the other medalists. So people are like, oh, wait, who is this girl? And she just keeps winning titles as a junior. And it starts to look like maybe... Maybe Hebeka has the potential to become the best gymnast in the world. But in 2014, her last year as a junior, Hebeka breaks her toe and that injury sidelines her for a bit. And then 2015 is her first year of senior competition and it's the year before the Olympics. So she's hoping to go to the world championships and get some experience before the games. So she's training for 2015 Worlds, and Hebeka... Hold on. Wait. Is everything good with the toe? How is her toe? <laughs> toe update. Toe, yes. Toe watch, of course. Sorry. Toe's great. <laughs> uh, her gymnastics is great. And June 2015, Hebeka tears her ACL. That, that sounds bad. Is that bad? Maddie, how much do you know about ACLs? I, I know that they exist and sometimes they get injured. That's pretty much the extent of it. Well, I will just insert here that around the same time Ebeka tears her ACL, I, in the summer of 2015, had a very minor meniscus tear in my knee. These are both ligaments in your knee, and I became very um, interested in knees around this time. <laughs> I had the most minor version of this, which is um, a really deep strain that healed on its own after a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Your ACL is one of the most important components for your knee having mobility, being able to bend and rotate. And oftentimes when people tear their ACLs, it's because of putting stress side to side on their knee. So, you know, we'll hear of basketball players a lot of times having ACL tears. We can think of them pivoting a lot and gymnasts because they're twisting and jumping onto the ground at the same time. And that can be a bad combination. So an ACL tear is usually like a nine to 10 month recovery. Um, and that's sort of just to get fully rehabbed and back to normal. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a year out from the Olympics. So it's cutting it really close if she'll be able to get back and get back to the level that she was at beforehand. And there's another twist here, which is Brazil needs to still qualify as a team. So April 2016 comes around. 
10 months after the ACL tear. And she's good enough to be able to do vault and bars at this event, gets two of the highest scores at this qualifying event, helps Brazil qualify as a team. And this is a big deal because the 2016 Olympics were in Rio. So the fact that she, 10 months after tearing her ACL, is back in competition, doing a couple events, getting some of the highest scores on those events, and helping the Brazilian team to get to the Olympics in their home country, it's huge. So we get to the Olympics. The 2016 Olympics were a little over a year out after the ACL tear. Mm -hmm. And Hebeka is back to doing the all-around, to doing all four events. Not only is she back to doing all four events, but she is now doing on vault the Aminar. Can you describe what the Aminoff is? An Aminar, how dare you? (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, so the Aminar is a vault with two and a half twists. And a lot of gymnasts will do a vault with one, one and a half, or maybe two twists. But it's really rare, especially on the women's side, that we see people doing two and a half twists, um, let alone someone who's just come back from a knee injury. Does two and a half twists mean that you have to land the Aminar backwards? It's a blind landing. Yes, exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Roll credits. (laughs) (laughs) No, and that's what makes it so challenging. So, Nebeka qualifies into the Olympic all-around final in third place, in medal position, a year after tearing her ACL. Wow. And she would be the first female Brazilian gymnast to win an Olympic medal if everything goes great. I mean, that would be so perfect, it happening in Rio. It sounds like fairy tale. It's all the pieces. <laughs> you know, she came back in time. You know, the pieces are so perfect mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. So it's the all-around final in Rio, and Hebeka, well, it's it's not a bad competition. It's just that she's a little bit off on her game while everyone else is, like, on fire. And she finishes the all-around in 11th place out of the medal stands. That's disappointing. It's disappointing if you're measuring success by winning a medal. But when you think of her comeback in such a short time, returning to a high level, helping the Brazilian team qualify to the Olympics, and showing that she had the potential to win a medal, it really displays to the world, or at least the gymnastics world, just how remarkable she is. How many years left does a gymnast typically have in their career? If it's their first Olympics, they've already had one like (laughs) kind of getting close to a career ending injury. I think a lot of gymnasts would have called it quits then. Mm -hmm. But Hebeka keeps training with an eye towards the 2017 World Championships. And as it gets closer to 2017 Worlds, things are looking really good for her. What had she figured out in in between an 11th place finishing (laughs) and now things looking good for her? Well, you know, it's not so much what she had figured out but the fact that those other people that had finished above her weren't competing. And there's one big name not at 2017 Worlds, Simone Biles, which basically means there's an extra medal spot uh, for everything. And Hebeka is right up there with the top contenders. So how does it go for her? Does she win? So Hebeka gets to the 2017 World Championships and she's there in Montreal. She's training and then she injures her ACL again. No. So she is out, and she tore the same ACL a second time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 
we see people in sport come back from ACL tears. Um, twice torn, coming back to the same level, the list is a little bit smaller. I think a really famous example is Lindsay Vaughn, who tore her right ACL twice. Mm-hmm. You know, not unheard of, but you're, you're always going to be at a higher risk for tearing it. And I think that's why you don't see too many people come back um, twice in that way. ACL injuries aren't always career enders, but they are often career changers. And that you might not get back to where you were, or maybe you can only get back to the level you were at, but not go beyond it. Or maybe you're scared of the Aminar. Or maybe you're scared of the Aminar, exactly. That you're scared of pushing your body to the places it would need to go to win a world or Olympic medal. But Hebeka decides that she's going to try to come back again. So a year afterwards, 2018, she finally makes it to a world championship. In 2018, that's her first world championship. Twice out, she missed because of two ACL injuries, but she finally makes it. She can't, you know, she's not competing all around. She's not at her absolute peak, but she's back. At least she's there and she's, you know, and she's in good shape. And then 2019 comes around and Hebeka is doing a floor routine at the Brazilian National Championships. And she stops mid-routine after doing a twisting pass because it turns out she has torn her ACL for a third time. Oh, no. Yeah. And after a third ACL tear, the list of reasons not to keep going forward is just amplifying. Yeah. And for Rebecca, there's two big things. One, the risk and fear of re-injuring her knee. You know, for people who come back from an ACL tear, the mental blocks can be as big as the physical hurdles. And two, the work it takes to come back. You're taking at least a year of your life and committing it to relearning skills, training day in, day out, without any guarantee you will be back at where you were. And Rebecca's in her early 20s. You can imagine that someone in her position might decide they want to go be a young adult and just start a new chapter of their life and close the book on gymnastics. I was wondering, um, since the list of people that came back from two ACL injuries was already smaller than one, if we know how many people come back from three. Yeah, Maddie, there, there might very well be others I don't know about. But I have only ever heard of two athletes returning to the professional level after tearing the same ACL three times. One, Hebeka Andrade. The other is Thomas Davis Jr. Who is that? (laughs) So Thomas Davis Jr. is a football player. He's a linebacker. And uh, around 2010, he tore the same ACL three times over the course of like two years. And probably it had something to do with attempting to return too early each time for him. But after that, he went on for many years to have a great career playing uh, with the Panthers, a major team. Now, of course, Davis took a risk continuing to play because, you know, there's a lot of pivoting and other movements that can lead to further ACL injuries in football and not to minimize what he achieved. But man, a gymnast? I mean, with tumbling and vaulting and dismounts, you are handling the force of many times your body weight. We are talking hundreds of pounds of force on your legs. Or a good analogy here is that the height gymnasts reach on some of these skills, it's like jumping out of a two-story building. 
The impact on your legs is so intense and requires so much physical and mental strength to the degree that no one has ever tried to come back to the Olympic level after three ACL tears. And she's decided, though, that that's the path she's going to go down. Hebeka decides she's going to try to come back for a third time. And it kind of is like the first Olympics for her, where, you know, the June before, she tears her ACL. Um, and that spring, she returns to competition. And Hebeka Andrade returns to competition on March 14th, 2020. Mm-hmm. And you know what else happened oh, in March no. 2020? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh no. So Hebeka's first competition back is also the last international gymnastics competition for like the next year because COVID, you know, puts everything on hold and it delays the Olympics. Yeah. And I mean, a year in a sport where you only have so many years of longevity, that can be the difference between being at peak performance and being a little after that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there were definitely a number of gymnasts who retired or took their hat out of the running when the Tokyo Olympics got delayed and others who just couldn't sustain or return back to their peak when 2021 came around. But for some, having an extra year to get in better shape was a blessing in disguise. And Habaka, I mean, it it wasn't clear which way it might go because it might be... Uh, Her year of rest and relaxation. Exactly. Or it might be hard to power through another year. Come summer 2021, Brazil does not qualify as a team, so she has to qualify as an individual. And there is one competition and one chance to qualify to the games. And in order to do it, she has to place first or second in an all-around competition. And she has not competed all-around for two years. And it's this one day, one chance to try to qualify to the Tokyo Olympics. The first time the world is really getting to gauge where she is at as an all-around competitor after the three ACL tears. And she gets first place by a lot, qualifies to Tokyo. Wow. Tokyo comes, and this is where the story just makes me a a little bit speechless. Hebeka isn't back at the level she was in Rio. She's really not back at the level that she was before the three ACL tears. Hebeka is better. Hebeka qualifies to the Olympic all-around final in Tokyo in second place. So remember, 2016, she qualifies in third place. She is now better than she was five years ago. And Simone famously pulls out of the Tokyo all-around final. So Hebeka qualifies into the first place spot at the Olympics. She is the one to beat. I literally have shivers right now. I didn't even know her until 20 minutes ago, and I'm her biggest fan. I, like, need her to win. It's it's unbelievable. (laughs) So, Tokyo Olympic all-around final. And the gold medal is really a two-horse race between Hebeka and the American frontrunner, Suni Lee. And during the all-around final, they're both doing what they need to do. Uh, first three events, vault, bars, beam, it all goes well. And it's clear that it's going to come down to the wire on the last event, floor exercise. Mm-hmm. And the last event of the Olympic all-around final is Hebeka's floor routine. And it's clear that it's going to be a matter of tenths that decide this. A tenth deduction can be a small hop on landing. A tenth can be your toes not being pointed while you're flipping. So it is a nail biter. And it's Hebeka's turn on floor, the last routine of the competition. And on her first pass, she takes a step out of bounds. And that's it. 
it's the difference maker. Suni wins by less than two tenths. Now, for the listeners, Maddie's shaking her head right now, but I have to say, it is not viewed as a loss, least of all by Hebeka herself. Hebeka is the Olympic all-around silver medalist, and she does not seem bummed when she finds out. She seems so aware of how improbable this journey was and is so elated to walk away with a medal. And she does leave the Olympics with a gold on vault. And I think for so many people, this would be the end. I think Ali Raisman is a really good comparison here because like Hebeka, Ali narrowly missed out on an Olympic all-around medal her first games, found the motivation to come back, surpass where she was at, and win a silver the second time around, and then called it quits. Mm -hmm. And with Hebeka, three ACLs later, it would be all the more understandable to make that decision. But no, 2022 came around and Hebeka just kept going and has looked great all year long. And this week at the World Championships, okay, this is where I just, my, my, I don't know how to say this. She has looked better than she did at the Olympics. And I think anyone watching the Olympics thought this is an athlete that has just found the most unbelievable motivation to reach her peak performance. But no, this week at Worlds, it hasn't been a matter of tenths separating her from her competitors. It's points. She is a full point and a half ahead of the entire field. She could fall and still win. No way. It is unbelievable. So we're recording this on Friday, November 4th. Yesterday, Thursday, November 3rd was the world all-around competition. And Hebeka just killed it on everything. She finished top five on bars and beam, even though she made a mistake on bars that cost her a full point. And even though beam is her weak event, I'm doing air quotes. And she got the best score on vault, which is really just, I have to say here, was the most amazing part to witness because she was already so good at vault. It seemed like there was no room to improve, but Hebeka's all around vault was one of the best she's ever done. And in the warm-ups right beforehand, she did a vault that is a strong contender for the best vault ever done by any gymnast. Jaw-dropping textbook execution. If Hebeka had done it in competition, it would have gotten very close to a perfect score. Wow. And she ends the all-around getting the highest score on floor, too. And finally, after all these years... Hebeka wins a world all-around gold medal. Wow! <laughs> it, it felt like it all led to this. Like, as you're saying, she could have retired after the Olympics. That's enough for so many people. And just the drive, the motivation that it takes for someone to double down to say, I'm not done yet. That's amazing. I really think um, the why is an interesting thing to unpack here for a second. Because after the Olympics, she was a superstar in Brazil, the first Brazilian woman to win a medal. I mean, Aveca will be able to support herself and her family financially for the rest of her life. So to still seek out that all-around gold 
It's about having it cemented in the history books, having it written down that she is currently the best gymnast in the world. What she has done for her country is unreal. We will see Brazil win a team medal, and we will see it happen very soon, because there's going to be generations of Brazilian gymnasts to come, all inspired to enter the sport because of Rebecca. Kids will see themselves in her, kids who also come from families without means, and in Rebecca being an Afro-Brazilian woman from a country with significant systemic racism, achieving something on this scale, I mean, she is very aware of the impact of that. She does a floor routine that has music and dance that incorporates Brazilian funk, which is a genre born out of Afro-Brazilian communities. And her floor routine is so different than everyone else's. And she she has this signature pounding dance move. Da, 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 da. And it's just this, this great moment of both uplifting and celebrating her identity. The impact she has had for the sport of gymnastics, for Brazil, for herself, it's still unfolding and will continue to for a long time. Wow. Um, has I know it's so soon after the title, but has she said what's next? You no, know, I think she's I think she's celebrating having accomplished just about everything that she, you know, would want to accomplish. Um of course, there's the Olympic all-around gold at the 2024 Paris Games. And, you know, the listeners can't see me, but I'm shrugging insofar as, will she continue to defy the odds and make it there? Maybe. Will the competition be stiffer there? Maybe. Um, will she want to? Maybe. But there is nothing left to prove. And she is the greatest Brazilian gymnast of all time, the greatest South American gymnast of all time, and one of the greatest gymnasts that's ever lived. And to add to the hyperbole here, she has had one of the most improbable, unbelievable comebacks ever in the history of gymnastics and in the history of sport. It's just such a, a joy to hear her story, to hear both the adversity she's overcome externally, but also internally, the times that I'm sure she's had to grapple with self-doubt, with fear, with all the psychological aspects. And finally, at Worlds, she came away with what she wanted, what everyone, when they initially saw her, even before she was senior level, thought that she could do. Um, it's the story of someone realizing their full potential, and I am so here for it. What, what gives someone the motivation and the confidence and the ability to push through all that? I think it's knowing that you could be the greatest. And I think it's knowing what it will mean if you do everything you know you can that she kept going and that she has reached these heights is something that seems impossible. I feel like I've said impossible so many times in this conversation because it all seems impossible. And this is the story of an athlete who made the impossible possible. 
Well, Maddie, thanks for hopping on the mic with me. Thank you, really, truly. This episode of Blind Landing was hosted by Maddie Bender and reported and edited by me, Ari Saperstein, and produced by Diana Pong and Stephanie Ritopper. Blind Landing is a completely independent podcast made by a very small group of public radio reporters in our free time on our own dime. We all have full-time jobs and work on the podcast on nights and weekends. So I know every podcast asks for these things, but if you want to support this podcast and support independent journalism, there are three really simple ways you can do that. First, by sharing a link to the show on social media and writing a few nice words. Second, by leaving us a five-star rating or writing a review on whatever app you're listening to this on. Or third, by dropping us a few bucks in our virtual tip jar at linktree.com blindlanding. We have a link to it on our website and on our Twitter and Instagram, too. Thanks for listening.